you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 131 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, we're talking about the postseason. How do the A's stack up against the White Sox in their series that starts on Tuesday at noon? If you need a note to get you out of some previous obligations, just let me know. I'll uh, send something over for you guys. You guys can tweet along with us at Locked On A's, and uh, we'll have a good time watching some A's playoff baseball. But, uh, For today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how the A's and White Sox stack up, and is this finally the year that the A's win a postseason series? So we're going to talk about some Sox bats, some Sox arms, and uh, just see how everything shakes out and uh, who might have an edge going into this series. But before I get going, today's show is brought to you guys by Built Bar. They'll be back later for some uh, some fun treats for you guys, so stay tuned for uh, for that in the middle of the show. Also, please follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter, and if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Okay, so first things first, let's start with the bats. They're the scary part of the White Sox. Uh, They have lots of bats. They can hit the ball really far. They're a great offensive team, uh, and they're scary. So let's just talk about that. I've talked about it numerous times. The White Sox crush lefties, which I don't know how the A's are going to fit their rotation to fix that. Maybe they have Mike Fire start the first game. I'm not opposed to it at this point, but do you want to have, do you want to put out your best team or do you want to counterpunch from the first game? There's a lot of psychology that goes with this. Um, maybe they bullpen a game and just go, you know, hey, we got Mike Fires for four and then we're going to shove, you know, uh, Liam Hendricks at you for two and just give you a fresh arm, fresh arm, fresh arm. Maybe that's how they try and steal game one or game two, one of those two. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot at play with the uh, the pitching decisions, but Here's why there's a lot at play. Let's go over some of their stats against lefties. Here we go. On the season, the White Sox, as a team, have a 142 WRC+. That is 42% above league average as a team. That's roughly just nine guys that hit like Paul Goldschmidt, which is just not fair, I don't think. Um, Maybe we should outlaw that. We'll we'll talk to Major League Baseball. Oh, no, the review came in that said uh, that's legal and everything's fine. Um, So basically, this amounts to, as a team, they bat 282 uh, with a 361 on-base percentage and an 882 on-base plus slugging as a team. Those are ridiculous stats. So obviously, you kind of want to stay out of using as many lefties as you can, which sucks for the A's, as I mentioned before, where we were rooting for the number three seed because the A's could use their best pitchers and at least put their best effort into a game as opposed to trying to counterpunch a little bit, which might be the way that the A's have to do it to advance in this series. Um, Shamanai has been pitching really well. He's a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Jesus Cesaro, he's kind of a wild card. He's also a lefty. Do you want to throw one of those guys out there, especially the wild card where you don't necessarily know what you're going to get? Manaya, he's been pitching really well. Jonah Heim seems to be uh, communicating well with him. Maybe that's still something that I'm comfortable with. But Luzardo, I know that he has all of the talent in the world and he could shut any team in baseball down, but he could also get hit around a little bit. And that's why he's a wild card. Uh, do you want to throw him out there in a big situation right now? I, I'm not positive. 
Um, and just to go on some some guys that you need to pay attention to if they're facing a lefty, Tim Anderson is the leader of the bunch. He has a 307 WRC plus against lefties in the regular season, and that includes 13 extra base hits and 48 at bats. That's 207 percent above league average against lefties. Tim Anderson is a friggin' beast, and uh, I really hope that he doesn't announce himself to the world in his first taste of the playoffs. That would not be fun. Uh, James McCann, one of the two catchers, they also got Yasmany Grandal. Uh, James McCann is hitting 429 against lefties. Eloy Jimenez is hitting 289. Adam Engel is hitting 313. And Nomar Mazzara, remember him? He's hitting 286. They got some lefty mashers. But I didn't mention some guys. They also have some righty mashers. Let's talk about those guys. And as luck would have it, there are a bunch of different guys. So this is fun. Uh, rookie Nick Madrigal hit 372 against righties. Jose Abreu hit 339. Eloy, again, he just hitting everybody. He hit 298. Tim Anderson, again, he hit 288. And Engel hit 269. So they got a bunch of guys that can do it against uh, righties or lefties. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, basically the, the quick summation of their offense from what I've seen is Tim Anderson is the engine. Jose Abreu is the MVP candidate and the Nick Madrigal is just their speedy rookie. He can run. And so can, uh, Luis Robert still not used to saying that I'm looking forward to watching him play. And I know that he's, uh, really, really good, but he started off really hot. He's cooled off a little bit. I think he was hitting like 230 or something on the season. So he's cooled off a decent amount. But man, can that guy play some outfield? Can he hit some balls? I hope he doesn't do it in a big situation, but uh, I am looking forward to watching him play as a baseball fan. And just in case none of that stuff uh, sounded scary enough, uh, they're also good at fielding the ball. Uh, they had a very good defensive team. Basically, the only uh, person that's not great defensively would be Eloy Jimenez in left field. Uh, but the counter argument to that is, hey, he's got Luis Robert in center field, and he's literally caught balls in front of Eloy Jimenez, which is very funny. Uh, so he's got some range, and that's going to be, one, hilarious if it happens. But uh, two, also kind of like what uh, Matt Chapman does at third base. We've seen Simeon's uh, defensive metrics fall just a little bit this season, and it's probably because he's covering more ground. Matt Chapman's not there as a blanket, and I think it's kind of like that, where Eloy without Ro uh, Robert, probably not as good. But the two together peanut butter and jelly makes perfect sense you guys know that um anyways as a as a team the white Sox went one and six last week which is how they find themselves in this series with the a's they scored 13 runs in four games against cleveland cleveland has lots of pitching so no surprise there that's still actually a decent amount of runs to score against that uh, shane bieber and company but in their weekend series against the Cubs, they were shut out in the first game, and then they put up 17 runs in the final two games, including seven runs in the final three innings of Sunday's game. They almost came back and stayed out of that seven seed, which would have kind of been nice, but then also the the counteract of that would have been uh, Cleveland would have been the number seven seed. So I guess it's great that they didn't come back because now the A's have a chance. I don't know. Um, so basically in summation, this team can mash. They, they are a scary bunch of bats. Can the A's hold them down? I don't know. They, it seems as though they can be shut down by elite pitching. Do the A's have elite pitchers? No. Uh, do they have really good pitchers? Yes. And I think that the key to holding the White Sox at bay might be 
mixing and matching as much as you can, using that bullpen a decent amount. Just keep getting fresh guys in there. Use as many pitchers as you want to. Uh, just throw everybody for one inning a day. Have them pitch three consecutive days. You get a few days off, and then you can retool and go with five-man rotation once the ALDS starts if you get that far. But they may have to get tricky in this round and use a lot of that depth uh, at really random times, like in the fourth inning, fifth inning. You got to get the wins where you can because you only you got to win two. You can only lose two, but you got to win two. So uh, that, that'll be interesting to see how the A's go about doing that. Are they going to rely on their starters for, you know, six, seven innings? Or are they going to go into their bullpen at the first sign of trouble? That'll be interesting to see. Um, one other thing that I found interesting about the White Sox offense is they are a first three inning team on the whole. The second inning is their big inning, but the first three innings... They're batting 272 with a 332 on base percentage and a 774 slugging, or sorry, a 774 on base plus slugging. That's not bad. So for the A's, stay out of trouble in the first three innings. You might have a better chance. I know that their OPS is a little bit higher in the four through six innings, but they're not a necessarily a late inning team, even though they had that big comeback against the Cubs. Uh, stay out of trouble in the first couple of innings, build up that confidence, don't allow a home run to the first batter you see, and uh, maybe that's all that it takes. Get the ball rolling a little bit, build that confidence, go from there, and take game one. I'll talk about game one starter here coming up in just one second, and game two starter. Why, why sell short? And you know what? I'm going to talk about the bullpen too. I'll, I'll talk about everybody for you guys. Uh, so that's coming up here in just a minute. So stay locked in with Locked On A's. I'll be right back. The new and improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have some of your favorites, those 12 original flavors. I'm going to go with mint brownie. That one's calling to me right now. Uh, that one sounds actually really good right now. Uh, I might have to go to BuiltBar.com after this. Uh, all of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars. Where else can you get that? Nowhere. BuiltBar. BuiltBar.com. That's where you need to go. Uh, all of their bars are nice and healthy. They are great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. So if you're looking for a delicious treat to get you through the day, go to BuiltBar.com. Use Promo code locked on. That is one word locked on at beltbar.com. You'll get $10 off your first box of belt bars. Uh, just use code locked on at beltbar.com. There you go. That's all you got to do. $10 off your first box, beltbar.com. Okay, go to beltbar.com. Enter code locked on. You get $10 off. There you go. Belt bars coming to your house. Enjoy. Welcome back to Locked On A's. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to hear podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So let's get into the pitching side of things here. The Sox have not announced a Game 3 starter. The A's haven't announced any of their starters, so I guess we're all uh, even on that one. Uh, so we don't have any Game 3 starter to talk about for the White Sox, but we do have their Game 1 and 2 starters. Uh, they're starting with... Game one, Lucas Giolito. Game two, Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel, familiar foe. He's been pitching really well. I'll get into that here in a second. But starting with game one, Lucas Giolito will be getting the start for the Southsiders. And as you may have heard, 
he pitched a no-hitter earlier this year. And, uh, you know, good on him. We were all very excited at Locked on A's. We talked about it. We we wished him uh, congratulations. And now those congratulations have been rescinded. You are now our mortal enemy in game one. Uh, after that, as long as you don't pitch well, you'll be welcome back to Locked on A's. So uh, here we go, Lucas. Uh, this year, he finished with a 348 ERA, solid ERA on the, on the year for him. Uh, he struck out 97 batters in 72 and a third innings. That's a really good strikeout rate. If you basically anything above the innings uh, pitch that you got, uh, that, that's a pretty solid strikeout rate. And in today's game, in the bullpen, you'll see guys with like 15 Ks per nine. This is uh, not quite that, but you know it, it's solid. Uh, so the A's strike out a lot. Could be an issue for the for the team moving forward. We'll find out. Um, his whip on the season is just over one, so he's not allowing many hits or walks. He's a uh, He's a solid guy to face in game one. He's a solid option for the White Sox. Good job on them, I guess. But I feel like we do need to bring back to the fore the fact that he did have a no-hitter in one of his 12 starts. So while his whip is very good, having one superb outing in 12 starts, you know, a small sample size, does inflate those numbers just a little bit. Uh, let's get into that here just a little bit. Since that no-hitter, Giolito has made five starts totaling 28 and two-thirds innings, and he has an ERA of 415. So he's actually gotten worse after the no-hitter. We've seen that before. All but a no-hitter fatigue. It, it's common. It happens. You know, Tim Lincecum would have one no-hitter and then be terrible for literally the rest of the season. So uh, I'm not wishing, you know, ill will on Lucas Giolito, but, you know, it, it's something that happens, something to look forward, I mean, not forward to, look out for. And, I mean, it could also be facing divisional opponents, uh, you know, a second or third time in some cases, and just seeing the same guys and they know what you throw. They know what you do. They have a better plan of attack. Could be that as well. It's one of those two is my guess, but I just wanted to take a look at his average start over those five starts since the dough hitter. And uh, basically he's going five or six innings pitched, usually six or like five and two thirds, five and a third. He gets to the sixth inning and then might get lifted. He might finish and uh, he hasn't pitched into the seventh. Um, he, he'll allow two or three runs, walk roughly three people in each of those starts. So is that something that the A's can work with? As opposed to facing Justin Verlander, hell yeah, it is. I will take three runs off of the starter and then do whatever against the bullpen that you need to do. Uh, that, that isn't a shutdown ace like the A's are usually accustomed to facing in game one of any series. So, uh, that is a welcome sign. Does it mean that they're going to win game one? No doubt. Absolutely not. The White Sox still have bats. I talked about them already. They're really good. But sticking on Lucas Giolito here, uh, he relies mostly on a mid-90s uh, mid fastball, and he throws it over half the time. And then he has a low 80s changeup, accounting for th nearly 35% of his pitch usage. And then he'll also work a slider in there about 15% of the time. Uh, those are He's basically a three-pitch pitcher. He uses the fastball half the time. If the A's can guess right on a fastball, that could be... That could be something right there. Square one of those up. I, I like it. Um, basically, there's some room to get to Giolito, and that makes me happy. Uh, the Twins are a similar offensive team to the A's this season, and they've gotten to him each time out. They've gotten, you know, five, six innings, three, four runs, something like that. They touched him up really good in his first start, but he was a different pitcher back then. They hung seven on him in that one, so I don't know that we can uh, look to that start as some prognostication on the A's part, but, you know, hey, maybe they can. And to that point, in his no-hitter, in that final inning when he needed just three more outs to complete the whole thing, he sailed a pitch to the backstop. Nerves got to him. Maybe in his first postseason outing ever, 
Maybe that's something that the A's can capitalize on. Maybe he's going to be filled with adrenaline, missing some spots. Then he's going to, you know, groove some fastballs. It, it's something to keep an eye out for. The A's, for all of their flaws, do have postseason experience, and the White Sox do not on the whole. So that's something to keep an eye out for as well. Um, and his Angelito's one start against the A's last year, Matt Olson went two for three against him with a home run. So if Olsen gets on track, then the A's could really be in business in this series. Uh, just something to keep an eye out for. Uh, I, I don't go too far back. Like if you go back to when Giolito wasn't pitching well, he's a different pitcher now. So that doesn't matter. And uh, against Dallas Keuchel, if you go when he was not as good, but the A's had the same team, it's a different thing. Keuchel's been really good this year. He has a 199 ERA. So I went to 2015, looked at you know how the A's did against him. And uh, the only two, there are two players that are still on the team. Uh, one is Mark Canna, who I believe was in his first year with the A's after being a Rule 5 pick. And then uh, Marcus Simeon. And Simeon was 5 for 12 in that season, which is good for a 417 batting average. That was his Cy Young year. And Marcus Simeon, who wasn't an AL MVP candidate at that point, already was hitting him. So maybe that's a little boost of confidence that you need for Marcus in game two. Maybe he's going to be a big guy for them in game two. We will have to see. But just one more note on Dallas Keuchel. Over his last four starts, he has allowed one earned run. That This guy is dealing right now. He has an ERA just over one in his last uh, four starts. I he He's scary a, a little bit right now. He's not going to throw you heat where you can you know guess right. He's going to junk ball you and hit his spots. He's a location pitcher. He's not going to give you free opportunities. They're going to have to get some at-bats on him and uh, see what they can do with those. Chris Davis is definitely going to be getting the start at DH in game two because, you know, he's been only hitting lefties. He is hitting 281 against lefties this year. Uh, so maybe he runs into one. He's been hitting the ball a little bit better. That would be another welcome sign if you got Matt Olson going in game one, Chris Davis in game two. All of a sudden, you don't need a game three starter. No game three playing. We're going in the first two. That'd be great. Um, as for the White Sox bullpen, they're mostly comprised of high strikeout, relatively low walk guys. The only reliever with a walk rate that turns your head is Aaron Bummer, and he's only pitched nine and a third innings and has spent most of 2020 on the IL. Um, so, And he's actually a really good pitcher, so probably small sample size on that part. Uh, his career or his uh, walks per nine last year was in the threes. So, and it's like a four, eight right now. So he's probably better than he's been uh, performing thus far. Uh, most of their main guys don't give up a lot of hard contact. They're a solid team and they just added Garrett Crochet to the mix, who was the guy that uh, me and uh, Ulysses Sambrano were talking about from the Locked on Rays podcast. Uh, last week, we're like, oh yeah, that guy that they just added, that, he's scary and really good. That was Garrett Crochet. He basically, well, uh, he, he's a left-handed pitcher. He was a drafted in 2020, so he was drafted this year, just a couple of months ago, and he throws 100 from the left side, so that'll be fun. Obviously a new pitcher to the game. He's pitched six innings in the major leagues right now, so he is brand new, doesn't have much of a scouting report because he just was playing in college. Um, because of all that, he probably has the advantage against the A's, but... One thing that you should keep in mind is he throws uh, really, really hard, which is great, but he also throws from the left side. And all of, well, I would say most of the A's power bats, most consistent power bats, uh, are from the left side. So if they can just kind of square one up a little bit, guess right, be in the right area, they don't have to put a hard swing on one to get it over the fence. So that could be something that plays into the A's favor a little bit with, you know, uh, Jake Lamb and Matt Olson right there from the left side. Uh, you got Chris Davis from the right side. Could be something to look out for. 
my guess is that they would deploy Crochet in the first game and not the second game because they already have a left-handed starter going in game two. So if they get a, a spot for that matchup with Olsen and Lamb against Crochet, probably use them in game one is my guess. That way, uh, well, I mean, they could use them in game two and same guys, and then they wouldn't have Chris Davis available off the bench. So that, that's another option. Um, yeah. I don't know that they would like Chris Davis to face him because Chris Davis hits fastballs. That's what this guy throws. So we will see. Basically, for me, this series is between two evenly matched teams. And in the playoffs, that's kind of what you want. You want two evenly matched teams going at it. And from my vantage point, it's kind of a coin flip as to who's going to win this series. Uh, the key is going to be execution, which sounds simple because it is. But whoever has the big hits and the big moments, that's the team that's going to win. And I know that uh, if you've been watching the A's this season, that does not bode well for your confidence right now, but I do think that the A's have a couple of things going for them this postseason over years past. And one of those is that they have more postseason experience than their opponent. Usually they're facing a team that has lots of postseason experience, or, you know, they're facing Charlie Morton last year who closed out game seven of the World Series. So they've been facing guys who have lots of postseason experience. The Chicago White Sox, by and large, have none. So are they going to be juiced up? Is Lucas Giolito going to be able to locate in game one? I don't know. Is Nick Madrigal going to be able to field the ball at second base in, you know, any of these three games? I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they keep their, their nerves in check. Um, so that's one thing that the A's may have going for them because they've been in this spot before, you know, in limited sample sizes, but they've done it before. They've gotten ready for a couple of these games. So that's something. Um, and not for nothing. The Raiders are not tearing up the A's field either. So for the first time in my memory, the A's will be playing on the same field that they've had all season and not having to deal with chewed up grass and all that stuff. Clay Wood doesn't have to do a whole bunch of extra work to make it playable. Uh, they're they're going to be doing okay. And that is awesome. Also, another thing that I don't remember happening in a very long time, the A's going to be playing in the afternoon. They don't got to be dealing with those shadows like Justin Verlander and shadows. They get Lucas Giolito in the sun at home. It, it's lined up for them if they want to take it. It's a matter of execution. That's all they got to do. And, you know, but that's all they have to do. Um, they're still playing a very good major league caliber team, but they have some things going in their favor with the field being right for the first time in forever. Playing at home, playing during the day, not having to deal with shadows. They, they've got experience. This could be the year that they actually advance. We'll have to see. I know that it's a coin flip. Uh, we'll see how the games go. And then I will be very excited or very disappointed. And uh, we'll go from there. But uh, I'll be here with you guys all week. And if you guys want to tweet along with us, feel free to follow us at Locked on A's on Twitter. Uh, I'll be there doing all of these games. It'll be lots of fun. But I'll be here to discuss each and every one of those. So subscribe to the podcast. Uh, wherever you like podcasts, really, I'll be going over the games. I got an interview coming out tomorrow, probably early night, uh, I will say. And uh, that'll be talking about the A's uh, more on the whole. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that one. Um, but that's it for me today, you guys. Stay indoors. Celebrate good times. We've got some postseason baseball just around the corner. Just a couple more sleeps here. And then, uh, yeah, uh, keep wearing those masks and I'll talk with you guys tomorrow.